Amen. Praise his name, Emmanuel. Wow, man, what a great morning to be together and to behold Jesus. Uh, if it's your first time with us this morning, we're glad you're here. I want to extend my welcome. My name is Corey Trevathan, and I'm blessed to be a part of this faith family here at Riverside. And uh, I know this is a special time of year for all of our families. It's a busy time of year where we're out going and doing and spending time with people and buying presents and doing all that we do this time of year. And in the midst of all of that craziness and chaotic activity and frenetic pace, I think it's, it's good to come into this room and to push pause on the story that is our life and to just stop for a moment and behold. Behold Jesus. Behold maybe the greatest story ever told. Behold the story of when God decided to write himself into the story that he authored and to put on human flesh and to become one of us. And so I want to ask you this morning, whatever is going on, whatever worries, concerns you have, and I know there are many in a room this size, I'd like to invite you just for the next few minutes to push pause on the story that is your life and to behold Jesus. I'm thankful this morning we've got some, some more painters in the room. Michelle and Mandy are behind me, and they're going to paint a portrait for us as we consider Jesus this morning. As we start, though, I want to ask um, maybe one of the most divisive questions I will ever ask. And so I want to apologize on the front end. I'm hoping that this won't splinter the church. I'm hoping this won't cause lasting problems and fractures in relationships. But I need to know how many of you are the kind of people that this time of year you erect a artificial Christmas tree in your home? Raise your hands. All right, look around the room, see these people, all right? How many of you go out and you get a real tree and you put this, this wonderful, magnificent thing up in your home? If you put a real tree up in your home, raise your hands, look around. These are the true heroes of Christmas. <laughs> yes, I am with you. Man, the rest of you, I, I'll pray for you. This is the time of year that you're supposed to go out and cut down that magnificent thing. In our family, that's their tradition. We go every year and we love to load up the truck. We get the saws. We put on the, the Christmas music. We sing fa la 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 the whole way over to the Christmas tree farm. We don't actually go out into the woods. We just we go to where there's a population of decent looking trees. And, and our goal is to cut down the perfect family Christmas tree, right? And we can't wait. It's exciting. It's fun. Our kids look forward to it. Uh, maybe I love it the most. I don't know. It's my thing. But we enjoy doing this. And my thing is like however tall your ceiling is, that's the height of the tree you should, you should look for to cut down. Are you with me on this? Uh, maybe it's a man thing. I don't know. But I just want the largest tree I can fit in our house. So a few years ago, we were living in Atlanta, and we had one of those family rooms that had the, the two-story ceiling. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm thinking, this is going to be unreal. And sure enough, we couldn't get one to reach the ceiling because it got a little wide. But we got one probably 14 or 15 feet tall. I mean, this was amazing. Santa was going to be impressed. Uh, we could not wait. We, we cut that thing down. We loaded it up. We brought it home. We, we put it up in the, in the house. We got the Christmas tree stand already. You know, we put the lights on it, the decorations on it. And the angel went on top. I had to use extension ladders to get the whole thing done. But it was amazing. And we couldn't wait. It was all, it was just all inspiring. People would come over from everywhere to look at this tree. It was so beautiful. I'm not lying about that. It was crazy. But then one day I got the phone call. I'm at, I'm at work and my wife had gotten home before I do. I did. And, and she said, you got to come home right now. And I could just tell her voice is shaking. She's almost in tears. I'm like, what, what's wrong? You know, what happened? Well, the tree has fallen. <laughs> 
And right in the middle of our family room, there was a coffee table. And sure enough, the tree had fallen on that. And so all of those ladies, your expensive glass, fragile ornaments, of course, they smacked that coffee table and shattered it into a bazillion pieces. There's the, the water from the tree stand is all over the floor. There's pine needles across the living room. And it's a disaster. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things. Uh, we, we put it back up again. If I'm telling the truth, it fell again. I put it back up again, and I used fishing line to secure it around the room. And so it stayed for the rest of Christmas. <laughs> for some reason, it's the last time my wife let me buy a tree that tall. But um, I love Christmas, and I love Christmas trees. But the truth is, you know, when those trees fall, things break. And on our tree tonight, if you came over to our house, you would see those ornaments that are either missing a piece or that are super glued back together. And I was thinking about that, and as much as I love Christmas, and as much as I love Christmas trees, it's terrible when they fall, and it's terrible when things break. When things break, it's bad enough. And, and we as people, I think we're good at this. We're good at breaking things, right? I mean, we, we often do this. Things get broken. We're guilty. We break things. But what's worse is that we live in a world full of broken people. And when people break, it's an entirely different matter. And you know and I know that we live in a world right now, today, this very hour, that's very, very broken. I mean, on the news again, we've got reports, you know, the mass shootings in San Bernardino. We've got ISIS to be worried about. We've got immigrant children. We've got all these things, Syrian refugees. It's just to turn on any, any radio or any news affiliate and you get the same thing. And it's, we live in a broken world, full of broken people, full of fear. And even if you took all of that out of the equation, we still have the normal crises that arise in our life. We have people that are dealing with, with cancer, with divorce, with death, with addiction. We live in a broken world filled with broken people. And it's in the moments, in these moments of brokenness and, and darkness even, that I think we find ourselves, don't we, as followers of Jesus, having to kind of wrestle with this and figure out what do we do? Like our, it's, it's really, well, I won't say it's easy, but it's, 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 it's not as hard to follow Jesus when things are going well for us. It's, it's not as hard to, to take his word to heart and to try to apply it to our lives and do what it says when life is going well and things are good. But when, when it gets difficult, when, when there's things in the world that we should legitimately be afraid of, when problems arise in the lives of our friends and family, sickness, death, tragedy, whatever, it's in those moments I think we have to ask ourselves, don't we, as followers of Jesus of Nazareth, are we still going to hold tightly to him and do what he says and follow his word? Or will we quickly abandon his teachings and take matters into our own hands and try to fix things ourselves? You see, it's in these moments of brokenness that we have a decision to make. And we have to consistently decide, I believe, over and over again, are we going to live into today and we're going to live out tomorrow in light of the words of our Messiah, Jesus? I heard someone say that this may be one of the darkest advents, darkest advent seasons we've had in a long time. And that hit me. I was like, what, really? I mean, I get it. There's a lot going on in the world right now. But I think every advent has been a season of darkness, hasn't it? And it's against the, the darkness of this season that the light of the coming Christ shines so brightly. That is what makes the good news that we have such amazing and good, good news. Sometimes I th think we forget how dark 
the very first Advent was. And this, this is the story that we're walking through uh, this month as we consider Jesus, as we behold Jesus. But let's not forget, let's not forget how dark the first Advent was. I mean, you've got Mary and Joseph betrothed to be married. They're not married yet. They're living in a day and time when, when their nation, their people, their, their tribe is living under the, the empire of Rome. They're living under a time of darkness and oppression and violence. And you couple with that, that they have a, a great deal of anxiety over unmet expectation because this Messiah that they've longed for and that they've heard about and has been prophesied about has not come. And not only has he not come, but they haven't even heard the voice of God for over 400 years. And right now, today, in their present circumstance, they are going through some stressful things in their lives, in their worlds. It's a dark time. It's an oppressive time. People are suffering. People are hurting. People are hungry. The Roman Empire of one, is one of, of heavy taxation, of one where there's Roman crosses everywhere, just detailing the brutality of what will happen if you try to rise up against the empire. It's a time of fear. It's a time of concern. It's a time if you're, if you're of the tribe of Israel... If you're one of those that claims Yahweh is your God, that you're wondering, is this what it was like? Is this what it was like for our ancestors in Egypt? Was it the same way for them? Because right now, we need this Messiah to come. We need our God to deliver us. And it's in this context, in the darkness of this time, in the complicated nature of the world around them, that Luke breaks in and tells us what happens next. And if you want to read along, it's in Luke chapter 1. And I want to start in verse 26 as we read the story of what happens when God decides to break in on the brokenness of the world. Luke says it this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to marry a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And get this. Confused and disturbed. Yeah, that would be me. Mary tried to think what the angel could possibly mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. And his kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Can you imagine? 
Can you even, I mean, I don't know that I can, get your mind around this holy moment. Mary. Mary is, Mary is approached by an angel. And, and she's told that, hey, God has a master plan and it involves you. And this is what's going to happen. And yeah, Mary is confused and disturbed and very afraid. And the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is with you. And his word will never, ever fail. And then Mary responds with this profound statement of love and faith and trust. And she says, may everything that you have said about me come true. May everything that you have said about me come true. I love Mary's response in this moment. Her her response is one of trust. Her response is one of faith. Her response is one of obedience in the middle of her uh, confusion, in the middle of her broken world, in the middle of the darkness that surrounds her, in the middle of the uncertainty of the future and the fear of what might come. Mary says, may everything that you've said come true. And then what happens next is maybe one of the most beautiful things in all of Scripture. Because then Mary sings. Mary responds to the good news that Gabriel has has shared with her. She responds in worship. And in a moment we want to read these words, but I wanted to just push pause right now because this is a song that we sing and it's a song that we know. And I'd like to to just pause for a moment and ask DJ and our our worship team to to lead us in in this song, in Mary's song. So if you would, let's, let's sing these words together. Don't you love that Mary lets praise rise above the problems, that she lets worship break into the darkness, that her song sings out in the middle of the night in response to this good news that God has chosen her to write her into the story and to allow the Son of God to come through her, to be manifest in her. Let's read those words together in Luke 1. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. Can you hear in Mary's song? I hear an anticipation of what's to come. I I hear her thinking ahead to what's going to happen when God does this great thing and sends his son through her. And what what maybe I love most about Mary's song is that she speaks in the past tense about things that, that God hasn't even done yet. Did you hear that? I mean, she says things like, his mighty arm has done great things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry and sent the rich away. He has helped his servant and remembered to be merciful. And the fact is, he hadn't done any of that yet. She's praising him in the present for what she believes and trusts in faith that he's going to do in the future. And I love this about Mary's song, and I wonder, can we do this too? 
I, I get it. We live in the middle of uncertain times. And we don't know what the future holds. But can we join with Mary? And can we praise God in the present for what we believe and trust and faith and obedience that God is going to do in the future? This is precisely what Mary does. She responds in faith and trust and hope. Her song speaks of the great reversal of all things, but maybe the greatest reversal of all things is the fact that God chose Mary. Have you ever thought about this? I love this part of the story. God chose Mary. She was young, living in a world that valued age. She was a woman in a world ruled by men. She was poor in a society and an economy where the rich governed the world. And she had no husband and no child to merit her existence. The fact that God chose her was a great reversal. The the fact that God chose her showed once again that God's plan almost always goes against the way that you and I would have done things. And this is what God does. He breaks into the story. He turns it upside down. He does things that we would have never thought of. He uses people we would have never suggested. And he does incredible things through people just like Mary. He takes people who the world says is nobody. And he says, you are going to be my favored one. So if you've ever thought that in the eyes of the world, you were a nobody, and I hope you know that you too are favored and loved by God. Amen. And here's what, I'll, here's what I want us to, to think about today. Because this is the good news for you and me. The good news for you and me is that our king has come, and he's coming again. And this, I think this too gives us reason to worship. And I think about all that's going on in our world, and I think about all the problems that we're facing. And I, and I don't know if your social media feed was anything like mine this week. It just exploded with, with words and rhetoric and pictures and things, some of which were even posted by people who claim to follow Jesus. And I, just, I was just disheartened to read some of the things that, that did not seem to be rooted in the person and the love and the character and the name of Jesus Christ. But I think about all of that, and I thought about this. You know, what if our response? What if our response to every crisis, to every concern, wasn't to point at the problems and to point at our opinion, but was to point to the one. What if our social media feeds this week here at Riverside blew up in worship? And and I'll be the first to tell you, I mean, I know, worship doesn't fix everything, okay? But worship, worship does a lot. Worship reminds us, doesn't it, who we are and who God is. Worship reminds us that there is a God and I am not him and you are not him. Worship reminds us that every person is on level ground at the foot of the cross and that everyone is my brother, everyone is my sister, and that we are all created in the image of God and that everyone is a person of immeasurable worth. Worship reminds us. Worship reminds us that there is a God and he is worthy of worship and he is the only one. I can't do it. You can't do it. He is the only one that can fix the problems of the world that we're facing today. Worship points us back to the creator of all things, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this morning, what I would hope for you and for me is that we could do this, that we could join Mary in worship, that we could join Mary in singing this song of praise, that we could join Mary in proclaiming the good things that God will do as if he's already done them, Because here's what happened 
inside of Mary. And here's what I believe is going to happen in me and you. Mary said yes to Yahweh. She said yes to God. And when she said yes to God, Christ was literally manifest in her to bring about the healing and the hope the world, the broken world needed. And here's what I think could be true of you and me, that if you and I would say yes, if our response to God was a simple yes, then Christ could be manifest in me. And Christ could be manifest in you to bring about the hope and the healing that the world around us needs. If we would simply join Mary in saying yes, in saying yes. Because when you say yes to God, you speak, you speak the words that Mary speaks. You step into faith. You step into obedience. You step into trust. And you proclaim to the world around you that Christ is exactly who he says he is. You know, I think so many times we think that when we step into Jesus, step into Christ, step into his church, step into this faith, that, that we, we, we think what we've gotten now is we're free. We're free from sin. Our debt has been paid and we have our hope in heaven and that's all well and good and that's fantastic and that is reason enough to believe in Jesus. But what I think that we've forgotten is that when we say yes to Jesus, what also happens is we're not just free from sin. We're not just free from the things that hold us back and hold us down and the weight around our, our shoulders because of the sin and the problems and the failures in our lives. When we say yes to Jesus, we're also free from fear. There's nothing to be afraid of if you're in Christ. Paul would write later, death, where is your sting? We have nothing to fear as people who believe and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just free from sin. We're free from fear. And we should live as people of courage. We should live as people of hope. We should live as people of light and of love. And again, it's, it's against the darkness of the night that the stars shine the brightest. Church, are we shining now? This is the light. The light of the world, Christ, is coming. And it's against the darkness of even this present age that the light of the world would shine if we would simply lift him up. And step into the freedom that is ours in Jesus Christ. I heard this week, you may know this already, I, I, I didn't. I heard this week as I was listening to one, uh, one station that um, there are different people who write the headlines for the stories than, than the people who actually write the stories. Does that make sense? So you've got one group of people that, that, that do all the legwork and the homework and they, they, they author and they write the, the, the news media stories or the articles or whatever it is you're reading. Um, and then there's another group of people and their entire job is to come up with the title, with the headlines. Like this is what they do. It's their job to come up with eye-catching, eye-popping headlines. And that's why sometimes you'll see, a, you'll see an article headline, you'll, be, you'll think, oh, that'll be awesome, I want to read that. And you read it. And you think that really didn't do what the, what the title said. It wasn't supposed to. It was just to grab your attention so that you would read the article. And I thought about that and I thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if, if we, Riverside, believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus of Nazareth, if we would be that group of people that rewrote the headlines? If we would be the people that wrote headlines about faith? If we were the people that wrote headlines about hope? And if we were the people that pointed people towards the headline of love. I think if we did that, then we would echo Mary's song. Mary's song of faith. Mary's song of hope. 
and Mary's song of love. If we would simply allow Jesus Christ to be manifest in us, to bring hope and healing to the world around us. Church, would you stand? My soul magnifies, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, my Savior. Today, as you go out into the brokenness of the world around you, my hope is that Christ will be manifest in you so that Jesus can bring the hope and healing to the world around you that he wants to bring. So may your words be worship. And may your life proclaim the praise of the God that you claim to serve. And may everything that you proclaim online and offline, out loud and in your heart, may it be rooted and couched and seated in the name and the personality and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ as we worship Christ the Lord. I love this verse in Philippians 3.20. Paul said it this way. He said, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as Christ our Savior. Let's sing.